Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome listeners, new and old. In addition to talking about what we're feeling this week, we are going to be chatting about the newest Edgar Wright film, Baby Driver, starring Ansel Elgort, John Hamm, Jamie Foxx, and Kevin Spacey. We'll also be chatting about the newest season of True Detectives, which we have zero information about other than a little bit of casting rumors. Um, but before we do that, let's introduce ourselves and in honor of Baby Driver, tell the world what song title would make a great movie. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And Lucas, this is a great question. As soon as you asked it, my mind immediately went to um, the songwriter that I feel does some of the best storytelling, and that is, of course, Taylor Swift. And she has a song that is the perfect title for a rom-com. Like, as soon as I see the song title, I see the rom-com, like, flash before my eyes. And that is We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Yes. That's perfect. I can just picture the movie so perfectly. It's kind of when Harry met Sally. It's kind of like a lot like love um, where it's this couple that has this like hot, passionate romance that always ends terribly. But they keep getting back together uh, like every so every few years or so. And it always ends badly, but they still find each other. Well, that's very interesting, Sandra, because I picked a very well-known song called I Knew You Were Trouble, also by Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor Swift, man. She's perfect for this. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Another great title. Uh, Honestly, Lucas, I had such a hard time picking a Taylor Swift song. Blank Space. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think it's a great movie title name. Yep. Welcome to New York would be perfect. That's a really great one. Back to December is a great movie title name and one of her best songs. Um, Yep. Bad Blood. Bad Blood. Yeah. She... She's incredible. She knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think this is just a Taylor Swift podcast now. So, sorry, oh, guys. Sign me up. <laughs> well, every week we like to kick it off talking about something that we're feeling, whether that be a movie, TV show, song, uh, just something that has really, um, really hit home with us this week. So, Sandra, let's kick it off with you. What are you feeling this week? This is a week I've watched so many movies, three of them in theaters, one at home, but what I'm feeling this week is a TV show. Lucas, have you ever seen the TV show on the USA Network, Playing House? Nope, heard of it, but haven't got around to it. I love this show. Um, Playing House stars Lennon Parham and Jess St. Clair. They are a comedy duo of improvisers that I have just, I've loved for so long. I love them on podcasts. I love um, both of them when I see them pop up in TV shows and movies. And... As a duo, they are just unstoppable. I think they're incredibly funny. Um, The third season of their TV show, Playing House, just came out, and I binged the whole season in one week. Um, It's very easy to do. It's eight episodes, half hour. Um, But it's just so lovely to watch that I couldn't pace myself. I just had to get it all in. Um, Playing House is a show, in the first pilot episode... Um, 
it's about these two best friends one who lives far away and the other who stayed in her in their hometown and the one who stayed in their hometown um, is pregnant and discovers that her husband has been cheating on her so she her husband she leaves her husband and her best friend who moved far away uh, played by Jess St. Clair Lennon Parham is the character that stayed home and is pregnant um, Jess St. Clair's character moves back to their hometown to help her best friend raise this child um, and the rest of the show is just about them living together and raising this child together and being best friends and having hijinks and it's such a lovely show just about like how truly powerful female friendship is um their bond is just beyond it's so they're so close and that really shows there it shows how close they are in real life and that really um plays out in their characters lives i love this show so much i highly recommend it especially for anyone wanting that like really really funny um female driven storytelling um especially it has like a, a few little great romantic moments these are women that like really know what a good rom-com is even if this show isn't all about that um i have a ton of fun with it yeah this is a show that i feel like i've really missed out on i feel like it's just something that gets pushed to the background because um and it's not something i pay attention to because it is a yeah uh, a network show and it's not on one of the like cable networks yeah cable networks i know yeah i mean uh, what else like usa is not a network that i usually talk about very often um I think it has Mr. Robot. That's the only other thing that I can think of that's, like, a big show for it. Um, but, if yeah, if you have, like, a cable login or you just have cable, um, I highly recommend um, checking out Playing House. It's just, it's so delightful. And I die laughing at it. Um, these two, their improvising background makes for great writing. That's really awesome. That's cool. Yeah. What are you feeling this week, Lucas? This week, I got to watch a play that came to San Francisco um, called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, which is the most British title ever. Um, this is based on a book of the same name uh, written by Mark Haddon. Um, and it tells the story of a 15-year-old boy with, with autism um, and his relationship with his parents and his school and really a mystery kind of surrounding the death of a neighbor's dog that he decides to investigate. I think one of the most exciting things actually about this play though is the stage design. This was originally designed by S. Devlin, who if you've watched uh, Netflix's Abstract Art of Design series, she gets an episode on there. But she designed this box, which is basically, it's a five-sided box, um, so it's missing the, f the front side facing the audience, but everything else is a screen. Um, so they're walking, the, what they're walking on, the walls, the back, the ceiling, everything is a screen that they're, that they're interacting with and is used for different settings and um, also is able to kind of portray uh, Christopher, the main character, um, kind of what the world looks like through his eyes. So you get um, a lot of maps, a lot of numbers, just a lot of visuals to kind of indicate what's going on in his head. Um, throughout, which is something that I'd never really seen before. And it's it's a really interesting um, way of portraying autism. I would say if this is a play that ever comes to your area, I would see it for that alone. Um, but also really great story. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm glad to have you as a fellow like theater lover. Yeah. It's a it's a really good medium. 
And speaking of great mediums, let's transition into anthology detective shows. <laughs> um, True Detective is coming back for season three. Um, we kind of found that out with the possible casting of Mahershala Ali. Um, and this is this is a show that I, I loved in season one, uh, hated in season two. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it goes for season three. Sandra, did you watch True Detective at all? I watched season one. I thought it was amazing. Um, I didn't watch season two. I have kept an eye on news about season three. Um, so there's this other guy who is the main reason why Nick Pizzolatto got True Detective when he didn't have like a big resume. Um, this other big TV guy like vouched for him. And then they got season one of True Detective. It was amazing. Season two, not good. So what I heard on a podcast somewhere was that they're working on season three and this other big TV guy, and I'm trying to figure out who it is, um, is like heavily involved with season three to make sure that it's good and not. Is it David Milch? Yes. He was the showrunner on HBO's Deadwood. Yes. And did he do like some big cop show? NYPD Blue. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. So apparently I think he's much more involved in season three than he was in the first two seasons. So I think that's a good sign of like what we could expect from season three. Now, hearing that Mahershala Ali might be starring in this season is very exciting for me. One, we know how talented Mahershala Ali is. Two, I really love the idea of him doing a TV show that isn't going to tie him down for seven seasons. Yes, that's the great thing about these anthology shows is you can get big people because they don't have that fear. <laughs> right. Um, I I would be nervous about any show him being the lead character in, meaning that we he couldn't make movies anymore. That would be very like frustrating for me. But because um, we get to just see him like really exceed in one season of a show. I think that's the perfect thing for him. True Detective is like a really great setting for him as well. Like we know that his dramatic abilities are um are like really up there and that he can like have this like dark sensibility. Um I'm I'm very excited about it. So Lucas, you were talking about like when we were talking about this before, who might he co-star in this season with? Yeah, I mean, really, really one of the big things about True Detective is the relationship between the cops in, in these um, these anthologies. And, I mean, in the first season, you had a really great buddy cop relationship um, with Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Uh -huh. And then in season two, um, you get, well, you get three cops, but you get Taylor Kitsch, Colin Farrell, and Amy McAdams. Um, and so, so really, I mean, there can be any number of cops, I think, Two ended up working better in the first season, but really, um, yeah. So casting this is is really interesting because I feel like you can you can really play with a good dynamic here. Yeah, I've got two in mind. So I think you definitely stick with just like the mm -hmm. two cop pairing. That that makes much more sense to me. Um, the first thing that popped into my mind as of just like a dramatic actor that's like hot right now. Um, that could like maybe Ooh. match well with him. Um, is Chris Pine? Ooh, yeah. After seeing Chris Pine at Hell or High Water, it really made me think that like he would make a great gritty cop in something like True Detective. 
like, not that he played a cop, he played a criminal, but he did have that, like, grit of, like, a bitter detective. Yeah, I think he's going to age well into some gritty old man roles, right, for sure. Right, So, I, I think that they would pair very nicely together. Um, I also, I loved, one of the things I loved about the first season of True Detective was seeing these two actors that we've seen um, work together before now in this like gritty atmosphere working together. Um, and so I was trying to think of things that Mahershala Ali has been in and other like big actors he's worked with that he could like, that would also fit well in this environment. And um, I thought that Octavia Spencer would be really great with him in something like this. Oh yeah, she'd be, she'd be perfect. So those are my two first to my mind picks. What about you, Lucas? Yeah, I I also have have two picks. My first one is uh, Linda Cardellini. I think um, has not been used well in the last couple of years, and I think True Detectives is somewhere where she could really really shine. Um, and I also think play well with Mahershala Ali. Um, and my second one is very on brand for me, but I'm gonna go with Robin Wright. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think she. Can she? I think she could play a very hardened detective, um, and obviously she's worked with Mahershala Ali before in House of Cards. Oh yeah! And I just want to see them do more things together. Sure. I, if uh, yeah, she can find some free time. Right. I was gonna say she might be a little bit too busy to do another TV show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Overall, I just think this this show needs a woman in the mix. I know season two had Amy Adams, but her part really seemed like it was written yeah. for a man and they just kind of gave it to her and let her say the lines um I, I really think it could be great if we get more just perspective in this I, i'm optimistically i'm hopeful um who is cast with marshla will make a big difference and then also where the setting is will make a big difference mm, yeah um, that's true i i think one the one of the biggest reasons I think season one was so good was because of the setting. And Louisiana is so creepy and like so such like a rich place for like a really seedy story. Um and so I'm very intrigued about where this next one will be taking place. That's a very good point. We shall see. Yeah. Well, here's hope to uh, good times are coming. Let's Let's talk about Baby Driver. They call me Baby Driver. And once upon a pair of wheels, I hit the road and I'm gone. What's my number? I wonder how you're in John's field of the bar. Scoop down the road. What's my number? I wonder how you're in John's field. This week marks the release of Edgar Wright's newest movie, Baby Driver. And I think where this conversation has to start is with Edgar Wright himself. He's very much an auteur director. He has a very specific style. And so I think we have to start with how do like, what is your relationship with him? How do you, how do you feel about his movies? You know, I purport myself to be a big Edgar Wright fan, but when I think back on it, I think the only Edgar Wright movie I've seen is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually seen the other ones, but I love Scott Pilgrim the World so much. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, it is. It came out in 2010, which I think is like a golden year for film. And um, I, I just, I have so much affection for it. That being said, I can't think if I've seen the other Edgar Wright movies. Um, 
And so therefore, I'm probably not as big of a fan as I think I am. Yeah, I think Edgar Wright makes very personal movies. And so I feel like even just seeing one of his, you already start to get his sense of style and understand kind of where he's coming from with his sure. uh, with his sense of filmmaking. So I, yeah, and, and you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim like that, that to me, that right. is the best one. Um, followed very closely behind Hot Fuzz. But I think you don't have to consume all of his media to understand where he's coming from and know and know his kind of his his tastes and sensibilities. I would also say, Lucas, I have listened to like long form interviews with him and I follow him on Twitter. And as a personality, as a person who loves film, I love him. I love listening to him talk. I love his sense of humor. Um, I love his passion. So I am a fan of Edgar Wright as a person. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get started by just talking about how you feel about this movie as a whole. First, I think before I talk about how I felt about it, I I feel like we should discuss the hype around this movie uh, and how that kind of like affect affected at least my viewing of it. Um, I would say that I was incredibly excited for this movie. It was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Everywhere online, all I was hearing from so many people that I follow on Twitter was that Baby Driver is incredible. One of the best movies of the year, if not the best movie of the year. People are losing their mind for it. Um, then, like a day or two before, and so most of these are like critics or people that are like uh, high enough that they went to like the premiere, you know? So a lot of people that like work in the entertainment industry. So then a few days before I saw the movie, once like regular people started to see it in theaters, um, I started seeing stuff on Twitter, mostly from, um, women that are like very liberal feminist women, um, saying about how awful they thought this movie was, um, how it like treats women poorly, how it's really awful, like, um, from like a racial point of view and, um, so I was very confused, like, going into this movie, like, what I was going to get, you know? I have almost everyone in the entertainment industry that I respect saying how incredible of a film this is. And then these few voices whose point of view I really admire saying, like, how hard this movie was to watch. So all of that being said, so you know where my mind mindset was going into this, I thought the first... 30 minutes of this movie were was heaven. I loved it. It's a action movie. It's a heist movie. It's a car chase movie. It's a musical. It's a fairy tale. It's all these things that I love so much. And then afterwards, I feel like it becomes very Tarantino in a way that just isn't for me. And so the movie left me kind of like feeling very empty. But I loved every musical moment. I loved so much of like the style of the first half of this movie. I loved, loved so many of the performances. But as a story, the ending didn't do much for me. And um, I was I was kind of disappointed. How about, what about you? I, I, I like this movie. And I think Edgar Wright movies are super subtle and get better upon rewatch. And so I'm curious to see how I feel about this after my second or third time watching this. Sure. But 
I feel like right off the bat, he just comes in knowing exactly what he, he wants to do. And I, I kind of feel the same way you did. Like that first 30 minutes, like you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is neat. This is perfect. Um, and there's a lot, it's, it's a tightly wound story. Um, that is very fairy ish at the beginning. Um, but I feel like it does tonally, it changes throughout the movie and I'm not quite sure how I feel about the ending yet. <laughs> so there's a lot I want to say about this in spoilers. So I'll, I'll, I'll wait, but overall I thought it was incredibly done. I just still have no idea how to feel about it yet. <laughs> I loved so much of the spectacle of this movie. Like the car chase scenes were incredible. Every moment with Ansel Elgort singing and dance, uh, lip singing and dancing, I ate up with the big spoon. Um, the like love at first sight fairy tale romance, I was so on board with. The John Hamm playing a sleazy criminal, desperately in love with his sleazy criminal wife, um, was just like so delicious. I, again, Kevin Spacey being. Uh, like a creepy guy. Great. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Perfect. Spacey playing Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yes. Like, there again, I just like so many things. Jamie Foxx, like, just being out there, being like, like, like Jamie Foxx turned to a, to a 13, you know? Um, it's all, like, so much of this is so fun. But then we get to the part where we have to, like, finish telling a story and like the last act was just very confusing for me, not confusing about as to what's happening, but confusing as to like why we've headed this direction. Sorry. Um, I think coming back to the characters real quick, just kind of what you're talking about there is I a hundred percent agree that it's just turned up to 13. It's just, we're taking these fairy tale characters and everybody in this movie is just amplified and yeah. it's really great to watch John Hamm and uh, Jamie Foxx like do these crazy out there performances. Um, Absolutely. But I think one of the things that I had trouble with was Ansel Elgort's performance. Oh, I, I don't know if it was really? his performance or if it was the character of Baby, but he's, it's just so flat. And that first 30 minutes when he's doing the lip syncing and everything like that and kind of dancing around, like that is fun. But from then on out, he's just like a sounding board for everybody else. He just kind of like sits there. And I, I, I didn't know what to do with that. Like mm -hmm. I, I wasn't invested in him very, very much at all. So I'm going to disagree with you on this, Lucas. I think this was like a star making performance for Ansel Elgort. I, I can't think of anyone else I would have cast in this role. Um, yeah, I think he's really good in it. And I think he, like, he's so similar to so many other actors, but I can't, all the other actors that he's similar to, I can't have pictured in this role. Um, and, like, I think of, like, Miles Teller or Shia LaBeouf as, like, these, like, guys that have, like, almost an annoying level of, like, charm and, like, um, and, like, punchable faces and uh, you know uh, they I can't picture either of them doing this I can't picture like Zac Efron doing this role even though like Zac Efron fulfills like so many except for like the age he's like a little bit older um, I think Ansel Elgort is really really good I think he's charming I think he has the literal baby face that is required for this movie um with all of the like, with with the like the long body and the like skill and grace of a, a person that's older than he looks, 
Um, I think he's great. I, I don't have any qualms about anyone's performance in this movie. And honestly, it might not even have been his performance. It might be that like, his character itself just had a lot of issues that I wasn't really jiving with. Sure. Now that, I think there's definitely some criticisms involved. Yeah. The, the other thing that I usually have issues with movies like this is just, I mean, driving movies where you have a bunch of car chases and stuff like that, I'm not into, I've said this before, just the fact that it's just a chase. There's usually not a lot of plots yeah. thrown into it, um, unless you're in the Fast and Furious movies. Um, and so we're just watching a chase. And I think this really, this really, I think, had a lot of elements in it that were compelling, that were fun to watch, and that made me really excited about seeing a car chase. But overall, overall, I gotta say, I think we're done with car chases. Like not, not, not car chases, but. Police chases. You think chases. so? Like, what makes you think that? Police chases. I feel like we're in an age now to where if the police are chasing you, they're going to catch you. Just with GPS, helicopters, like everything that that the police are capable of, like, you're not getting away. When was the last time you heard of somebody actually getting away well, in a car chase? Well, I guess I think you might just be applying too much realism to any action movie you know yeah maybe 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 you're right maybe i'm giving the police too much credit but that's just something like anytime i see that i'm like oh well they're they're done they got it and yet somehow everybody always seems to get away in these movies oh man um yeah the other thing i want to talk about was the music um had you listened to had you listened to the soundtrack at all before you came into this movie no i came in pretty fresh yeah okay so what'd you, you know what did you think none of it is music that i like listen to you know as a person um but i loved the way they worked in the movie the music part of the movie was incredible i i want edgar wright to do a musical <laughs> you know i to me when i was watching the beginning of this movie i was like oh yeah this whole time i thought i was gonna watch an action movie and it's actually a musical Mm -hmm. Um, there's so much more that at least again, the first half of this movie has in common with a musical than it does with any other genre, I think of storytelling. And, um, I love that about it. I, um, I went to like, look at the soundtrack after the movie because I had so much fun with it. And then again, looking at the soundtrack, I was like, oh, I don't really want to listen to any of these like by themselves. Um, yeah, they all work so perfectly within the context of the movie, but individually, they're not songs that like you would gravitate towards. They're not songs that you would, I think, listen to like, right. like the soundtrack I thought originally, I thought this soundtrack was going to be like the soundtrack of the summer, but this is, Absolutely. um, I don't think this is something that is very just browsable. Like this is something that is very deeply in, ingrained in the movie and that that's really the only context that I personally am going to want to like listen to this in the very beginning when that first song comes on and you see like the lyrics like graffiti on the wall yeah. and stuff like that very edgar wright yeah exactly like, the moment like, that happens you're like oh i'm in an edgar wright movie yeah that is exactly what should be happening in this movie like that is that is the perfect use of soundtrack for this movie is having it so I tightly mean, integrated so much of like the romance plays into why it feels like a, a, a musical you know having the girl like whoosh by on the sidewalk and he's taken by her like there's so so much of the dialogue feels like it belongs in a musical again edgar Wright just needs to direct a musical that is my new uh, thing i'm gonna be campaigning yeah. for yeah is 
ditch the action or like have it be like a slightly actiony music. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we get into spoilers, is there anything else you want to say? I would say don't get your hopes up going into this movie. Like don't I don't be fooled by the hype in a way that like I think I was. Um go in expecting like a fun action movie, fun spectacle. Um but I definitely don't think this is like the best movie of the year, the way people are kind of claiming it is. I would say it's a very fun, enjoyable movie that I'm sure I will probably end up liking more <laughs> on round two. I would also say that I think once we get into spoilers, I'm going to address what I mentioned earlier. Some of the, like the way women are treated and the way like race is treated in this movie. And so if that's something you're particularly interested in, um, we'll be talking about that first before we talk about like the rest of spoilers. So I don't know if that's something that like, I'm not going to go see this movie until I hear about that. I don't know. That's what we'll be talking about first. All right. Let's talk some baby driver spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Okay. So like I said earlier, a lot of these people that I follow on Twitter were talking about how like awful they felt about this movie. One woman even like walked out before it ended because she was really upset with like the way women and race were treated in this film. And um, so talking about women first, I would say the biggest critique I heard was that the female characters weren't flushed out, weren't made to be real characters weren't given much to do. I didn't have that issue with the movie. I feel like everyone had like kind of a minimal backstory. I think everyone was kind of a caricature. I didn't have any problems with the way any of the female characters were treated in this movie. How about you, Lucas? I mean, we keep coming back to the fact that this is a fairy tale. So no, I don't think the, I don't think the female characters needed more backstory. I mean, I feel like they got just as much backstory as Kevin Spacey's character or Jamie Foxx's. I don't, right. I, I feel like it was I feel like it was evenly distributed amount of <laughs> backstory. Yeah. So that's something that like just didn't bother me. From like a race perspective, I was very confused while watching it trying to figure out what the issues were. The biggest thing that like was coming to my mind and that I was kind of seeing people talking about on Twitter because a lot of people are trying not to spoil the movie, you know, when they're like saying that they have issues with it, was that like Jamie Foxx's character is like the most violent of all the characters and that he's like, he's the one that doesn't have like kind of a code. Like he just kills anyone everywhere he goes where the other ones kind of like only do it when they have to or quote unquote, like smarter about it. And so like, I can kind of understand that criticism, but to me it was more just like, they're all like loose cannons in different ways. And Jamie Foxx was just like, in the most obvious way. Yeah, I feel like the fact that he could just like rage out at any minute was more character driven than race driven for me. So I was very like willing to understand but not fully getting it when I was like reading a bunch of critiques. Then I saw there's this um, girl I follow on Twitter. Her name is Brittany Nichols and her Twitter handle is Biz Hilarious, B-I-S Hilarious. Um, and she broke down like some of her issues with Brady Driver in a way that made a lot of sense to me. And I kind of just want to read just a few of her tweets in this like long Twitter thread that she wrote about it. One of the things that she said in this was about, it's not so much Jamie Foxx's character in her description, but the fact that like Ansel Elgort's character is this depiction of like white innocence. 
she says, though this film is about innocence, there seems to be a total lack of awareness of who gets to be innocent in America. At some point, white people need to examine how their art operates in the canon they're depositing it into. You're not making shit in a vacuum. Her going on about the fact that, like, the white dude gets to be a good criminal, whereas, like, black people in this country as criminals are never given that opportunity. Um, and that, like, any black character in this movie probably wouldn't have been given that same opportunity to be viewed as, like, this innocent, good criminal. Um, really put things into perspective for me. And I thought that, that was, like, a really valid critique that was something that wouldn't have ever entered my mind um, just, like, watching the movie by itself. I don't know if we can lay that at the feet of Edgar Wright. I feel like... I mean, yes, obviously we want to see more innocent black characters, but I don't think like saying if you replace Baby with a black actor that he's not going to be portrayed as innocent. I think it would have made a an, an interesting movie, a compelling movie, but I'm not, I'm not going to say that like you did the wrong thing, Edgar Wright, by casting Ansel Elgort as, as Baby in this movie. I think difference between saying that like this is a racist movie and saying that like this movie isn't fully aware of like the racial dynamics it's playing with like i don't think edgar wright is like this guy that like i'm not gonna watch his movies anymore because he made this movie you know um or that like people shouldn't see this movie because it has like all these racist undertones but i do think that there are like some dynamics like being portrayed in this movie that are not like as simple as we think they are. Um, and it, and it might not even be that that's an issue, like, like a, a wrong thing to do, but it's more just like, is this a tiring thing to see? You know, um, you know, I, it might just be more like we've seen enough of like this story of like a white person who's a criminal, but like with a heart of gold, and that's a story I love, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm owning that. That is, this is a story like concept that is, I'm a big fan of is like criminal with a heart of gold. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not, I won't even say that I have a fully fledged argument to make in this case because I don't. Um, but I did think it was important to bring up because I don't want to like, when I hear people bring up this in regards to like TV or movies. I don't want to be, I don't want to just like ignore those points of view and act like just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I can't like interact with it. Um, um, or I would just say that I thought it was really compelling, like hearing these things from, especially for a movie that people are like going nuts over. I think if this, if this movie didn't have like heaps and heaps of praise on it, I wouldn't have felt as compelled to bring it up. But like, or, and I feel like a same goes for all like these women on Twitter that I follow. Like they would have felt as compelled to bring it up. Um, but when a movie receives like just heaps and heaps of praise as like, if it's the best thing cinema's produced, you know, um, which this movie has, like, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say like the amount of praise that this movie has gotten. Um, but I just think it's important to like keep perspective on like all the ways, all the things that this movie is, um, perpetuating. Um, another thing that this movie, like I thought was really interesting to me, um, outside of like 
the racial aspects and the gender aspects. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to like talk about that, Lucas. I kind of rambled on for a little while. Okay. Um, was the, the way that this movie handles like violence. Um, I feel like so often in these heist movies that I love so much, or these movies about criminals that I love so much, um, violence is often downplayed. Um, and this movie, like, I think makes a point to show just how violent a criminal life really is. Um, you know, like Fast and Furious movies or like Ocean's Eleven, you know, very few people actually get killed. Or if they do get killed, it's like they deserved it. Or it's like you don't really get to see it happen. You know, you see like a car crash and you don't get to like watch someone die. Um, versus this movie is very in your face about how often people are like brutally killed in one heist or how often like criminals will like be violent towards one another. And I don't know how I felt about that. I didn't like it because I like my crime movies to be like glossy <laughs> and fun. <laughs> and that part wasn't so glossy. No. Yeah, you're right. I, I wish they had kind of teased that out a little bit more. I wish we'd gotten to see a little bit more of the, um, I guess the dirt yeah. <laughs> in this, in this world a little bit more in the earlier um, part of this movie because it feels to me it feels like it, it kind of hits you hard um, when it kind of comes in at the end yeah I do think I think they tried to like plant it earlier on with like the you know the guy in the trunk being killed um, and like also like uh, during that second heist like having one of the guards just be like shot on sight things like that but the levels it went to at the very end I just didn't expect it I like I said it was very much like all of a sudden I really felt like I was in a Tarantino movie and I didn't sign up to go see a Tarantino movie so it was very jarring although I will say as much as I didn't like the way the movie shifted towards the end there were moments in that end that third act that I did love um I really loved the stuff with Kevin Spacey in that third act with him helping Ansel Elgort's baby um, See, I didn't. I, I didn't like I, that. <laughs> oh, how interesting! Um, I loved seeing John Hamm as like a crazed villain. Yeah, he um, was. He was amazing. I think he's a he's a character actor who um, got stuck in a leading role, and I think now we're actually getting yeah. to see like what he's really good right. at. Yeah, he's very good in this. So there were like moments where I was like, "Oh, I'm so into like this." specific thing happening in this act but i don't like this <laughs> i just think like so coming back to Ke just kevin spacey's performance i feel like it was so weird to have him flop sides like that like i don't i did not that's that wasn't his character like he was buttoned up he was on top of it he was sacrificing anybody he needed to and for him to turn and say oh you love a girl okay fine i'll sacrifice myself and save you like, even when he just gave her the tape, I was like, ah, that seems out of character for me. And then I it think went downhill from there. It's just such a huge leap. I think that's why I like it so much. I think it's because it's like, look, he, like, doesn't want to care about this kid, but he does care about this kid so much that, like, he's, like, going against all of his instincts. But he even threatens her before with the, uh, 
you gotta get, you got a pretty girlfriend. Let's keep her that way. Yeah, that. But like, I feel like that whole him threatening baby and threatening the girl was very much like this is the way I do things, and like I know that if I want to keep this kid around, that I um, need and kind of care about, even though I don't want to admit, um, like that. This is the way to do it. Like I'm a criminal. I threaten people, and then at the end, he's like, oh, God damn it. I need to, I want to watch this kid get away and have a and have love. I like I like the fact that he's like a softy um is like this big surprise of the movie that he like is offended that baby used a monster's ink line on him and not like it didn't really like mean it. <laughs> that actually might have been my favorite part of the movie when he finds out that it's a monster's ink line. Um yeah. I also loved uh his nephew. Sam. Yes. Ugh. Um like yes. I, I just thought his his character, the like one scene that yes. he's in was great and just a really funny Edgar Wright moment. I also really, really like the conversation at the diner where Jamie Foxx is um basically saying that like to him this is a job and Yeah, how like they rob to support a drug habit and he has a drug habit to support his robbery habit. Or he does drugs to support his robbery habit. Yeah, I thought that was so so just a beautiful um segment of these people's <laughs> lives that we got to see anything was anything else made you really laugh see edgar wright movies i think are supposed to be very funny action films and i'm trying to think of other things that like really made me laugh out loud i think i think that's another one that's like why or, or another reason why i think this is his like straightest movie it's just very by the books he doesn't um, subvert expectations very much in this movie, which is fine. Um, but like coming from his other movies where there are really, really like good, deep visual jokes and, um, also audio jokes. Um, I, and and again, this might just be like something that in the second watch, I'm going to pick up a lot more of that stuff. But to me, it seemed this is more of a normal movie, quote unquote, normal movie. One thing that, is coming to mind something that made me laugh a lot was um, one of the criminals keeps taking baby's sunglasses from him and baby just yes. has like more yes. sunglasses to put yes. on. Yes. He always he has extra sunglasses in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great one. Oh, I man. can't get over how much I loved the Issa Gonzalez and John Hamm dynamic. Mm-hmm. I yep. want like a whole movie just about them. Like mm-hmm. their backstory. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I feel like their relationship was really cool. I think visually we got to see a lot from them. Um, I man, I I really did like all the characters in this movie. There's um, minus one baby, but <laughs> badass moment that the two of them have during the shootout. Yes, with the gun where she's shooting and he comes up behind her and cocks a, her gun for her. Like, yep, yeah, she's she's and, using two guns, so her yes, hands are full, and yes. so he. Yeah, it's reloads and cocks the gun for her. It's so good. Yeah. Relationship um, goals. <laughs> right. Also, I am a big fan, again, because I love, like, crime movies. Um, all of the nicknames I thought was, like, a fun element to have in this movie. If I had been picking out the intro question for today, Lucas, I would have asked you, what's your crime nickname? Oh, nice. That's a good one. We could do that, too. What's your crime nickname? Go for it. Well, I have to think of one now. Nope. I wasn't Off the top of your head. Go. It. Oh, I, I'm only thinking of the ones in the movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I need to think of something new. What was um, Kevin Spacey's? Doc, I think. Doc, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Doc. 
Oh, I want to say this is so lame. Scarlet. That was um, just because that was a name that I wanted to have as a kid. Like nice. when I was a kid, like you're like, oh, my name's boring. What would my name be? It's not um, as good as Buddy and Darlin. Yeah, I, 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 I can't come up with a good one. I'd probably go with like a city name or something, like something just completely oh, random, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Boston Dallas. or Denver or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a fun element for me. I think, like I said earlier, this movie was a little bit more vicious than I expected it to be going in. Um, I expected there to be more, uh, like a classic heist movie where like. There's more of a team dynamic and um, like a little bit more of like criminals with a code. Mm -hmm. And most of these criminals didn't have a code. Yeah. That is like part of why I love crime movies. And so on that, on those points, it like disappointed me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like I've said it a hundred times already, but it's going to take me seeing this movie again, yeah. maybe even three times, but to, to figure out where exactly we are with this there are certain movies that i watch and afterwards you know i'm trying to figure out like how i feel about them and ultimately how i feel about them is that like i absolutely want to watch this movie again but like an edited version of just like all of my favorite scenes i don't yeah. want to like watch <laughs> the actual movie again um like the perfect example of this is you know the movie um julie and julia yeah so someone made a version of that movie that's just the meryl street parts about julia child <laughs> like they edit it down so it's just that half of the yeah. movie and it's yeah. a great movie and, <laughs> and i just want to make a version edit a version of this movie that's just like musical sequences the romance the beginning the very end i'm okay with like the whole yeah. like dream sequence of him getting back with her mm -hmm. um I, I enjoy that part. I, that's the movie I want to watch over and over. Yep. Yep. I think some it'll, it'll come up. I'm positive. Everything on the internet is a thing, so. Great. <laughs> Great. I'll just have to be patient. Yep. Oh, man. All right. So overall, I think we liked Baby Driver, but it's not as good as everybody says it is. Is, yeah. that, is that our conclusion? Yeah. I'm still an Edgar Wright fan. <laughs> yes. Definitely. All right. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up for us. So... You can find us as a group online at Feeling It Pod, and you can email us if you have any questions or anything like that uh, at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Um, Sandra, where can we find you individually? All of my social media is at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lucas and Stuff. I will be on vacation for the next week, so I will probably be watching a lot of movies and taking a lot of photos of Park City, Utah. So Yeah, follow us on Letterboxd because... We're going to be watching a lot of movies that like, I think we're not talking about on the podcast. Very true. So if you want to keep up with what we're watching, follow us there. Yep. All right. We will see you next week. Adios. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 